0: Welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate, Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Jules Boyle, and as a doubleheader today again, the boost is myself and our little mini Manic Street preacher, Gary Mackay.
1: I'm looking forward to joining you for the transfer cycle emptiness.
0: <laughs> <laughs> On the pod today, we're looking at the future of over the charm. Is it Celtic? And if not, where is it? Also as well, Falkirk. Poor old Falkirk. And another transfer wind up as a silly season is well underway and we're hearing all manner of stories so we'll try and have a look at some of them. Some are valid and some are absolute nonsense. OK, first of all, back to Mr Nacham. One of the standout players of Brendan Rogers' double treble winning season, that Frenchman's been a bit a shadow himself this year, I thought. Um, Porto reportedly offered £14 million for him, not once but twice, most recently in January, but now the numbers have been buying about around about half that. Apparently they're still keen, though, and his scouts watched him at France under-21 match against Belgium on Monday, where he came on for the last 15 minutes, but also Marseille, rumoured to be interested too. What's your thoughts on Big ollie.
1: I think he's definitely, he's obviously a very good player. He's got a lot of talent, but I think if you look at his performances this season, I think he definitely had his head turned by Porto in the summer. I think apart from the Champions League qualifiers where I thought he played well and the odd game because he's a talented player. He hasn't really turned it on. He looked uh, quite sulky actually after the Scottish Cup final. I think he very much looks like a player that expects to be on his way in the summer and wants to be on his way in the summer.
0: I think definitely, I think as you say, last season, or the season before, rather, he was exceptional. And this season, he just doesn't look as if. It's hard to say. He doesn't look interested. He doesn't look as if he he's got the same desire, the same dig. He doesn't seem to be getting into tackles as much as he was. He's, he's, he's you know his distribution seems just off. He doesn't seem to be kind of. I hate to use the term half-assed, but he just doesn't seem like a guy that wants, as you say, wants to be there. Um, obviously, if he knew there was a 14 million quid bid in from uh, at the start of the season, then the same bid again in January. And for some reason, the club are saying, you know, no, and he wants to go. Um, and, you know, is that is that enough of a reason for his head to be turned, for his performance to be down? I mean, surely that would mean his value could, goes down because he's not playing. Oh, it probably will.
1: Year. And uh, do you think maybe in hindsight, Celtic would probably wish they'd sold him? Maybe not in the summer, but once they knew that they weren't going to be in the Champions League in January, if they got the same bid from Porto.
0: Absolutely. I mean, 14 million quid um, is a fantastic amount of money for for what they have got for him. I mean, obviously, I mean, last season... You know, you may be going, you know, by uh, £40 million easy, do you know what I mean? I may be even thinking you get more for it, but watching, you know, the start of the season, the first half, I think, you know, £40 million is a very, very good sum of money, Um, and they probably, in retrospect, it's easier to be captain hindsight on it, Um, but they, they should have jumped on it, Um, and now, you know, because the thing is as well, what have they got out of holding off, never mind that they were just a fee we will get from, what did they get for this season for not actually selling him? Because he's not really performed, as you say, in many games. standard,
1: Yeah, and his his levels really dropped. I mean, they won the treble treble again, but he wasn't anywhere near as important to it this season as he was last. And I think they'll definitely get a lot less money for him now. I mean, you know, we say Marseille and Porto are meant to be interested. There was talk of a, a bidding war. But I'm going to tell you right now that Marseille aren't getting involved in a bidding war. They don't have any money. So I was looking into this earlier. I wrote a piece for Football Scotland, which you can see on the website today. Marseille made a loss of €78 million in 2017-18. It's projected to be €90 this year. They've already been fined by €100,000 by UEFA for breaching the financial fair play. They've been warned by the DNCG, which is the French League financial control body. They've been warned about getting the finances in order. They haven't given Balotelli uh, a contract because they can't afford it. They signed Kevin Strootman for €25 million last summer. They basically told him, Look, we can't afford to keep you because they didn't get into Europe this year at all. They basically spent about I think it was sixty million reasoning that they would get into the Champions League and they'd make that money back. They ended up finishing fifth and unfortunately for them Strasbourg won the League Cup and Rennes won the French Cup, so fifth wasn't good enough for the Europa League. Yeah. So they're now gonna have to sell Stroatman, Tova. Uh, it's another midfield player Morgan someone whose name escapes me right now they're going to have to sell all these players they're not getting involved in a bidding war with Porto for Enchamp now I'm not saying I'm sure they're interested in Enchamp I'm sure they I can understand why they'd want him he's a young player who'd have sell on value uh, he's French so he, you know you think culturally he'd fit in well but the fact is I mean if you go to Strohman, they have to sell him because of the way the numbers work. He signed for twenty five million on a five year contract. So just to avoid making a loss, they have to sell him for twenty million this summer for a thirty one year old player who's had two really serious knee injuries. Is that going to happen? Uh, if they do that, are they then going to go out and spend fifteen million on Incham? Not a chance.
0: No, it doesn't sound like it. I mean, to be honest, it doesn't sound like they're going to spend anything in Cham, really. <laughs> no, well, I mean, if they can
1: sell if they can sell the players they've got, I mean, they might have a little bit of room for manoeuvre, but it's very much dependent on, yeah, they have to sell sort of their their star players now before June 30th, which is the financial fair play deadline. And then if they can do that and maybe somehow make the books look like they're even, they might be able to then spend some money on them, but they're not going to be, spending 15 million and they're certainly not you know if Porto come with another 14 million they're not going to be going 15, 16, 17 and it's not going to get you know to 20 because there's two clubs bidding for them because oh. Marseille just can't afford it
0: they don't have the money to do it basically yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. they
1: just really they just don't have it's just not uh, it's just not a thing that's going to happen it's in any viable. logical universe yeah
0: <laughs> so, so where's this coming from this bidding war malarkey
1: well, it's in a few of the papers today that uh, that basically, I think it's just people putting two and two together and getting five that because both are interested, therefore there will be a they bidding war. Each other. But Marseille, I'm sure, probably do want to sign in Cham, but they're not going to be getting involved in a bidding war because they're basically on their uppers. I mean, they've, they've had to cut their cloth hugely. They sacked Rudy Garcia last season. They have to pay him 15 million, although they have appointed villas Boas on, was it, 600,000 a month, which seems a, an odd choice <laughs> to get, get rid of a manager. Uh, have to pay him a huge payout and then get a more expensive manager and a bigger salary. But that probably also adds into the fact that they ain't going to be spending huge amounts of money on Incham, which, again, going back to what you were saying, Celtic probably would have been wise to take the money from Porto in January, given how it's going, uh, because I don't... if they don't get an offer they want this summer, are they gonna hang on to him given how he played this season, how disinterested he looks? Yeah,
0: exactly that's the thing. I, I I can't see any reason why it would be a different sort of attitude next season if he was still there, unless it's some major, you know, attitude adjustment or sort of thing like that. What what's, what's what's going to change for Celtic? Do you know what I mean? He's still going to be wanting away, um and his value call could possibly even go down further, um and so even more dissent with the club. Um, I can't see why what 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 Um, what andy has got to gain for holding on to him and what he's got to gain for staying, I think.
1: Yeah, so it's probably going to end up that he's going to be sold at a price below what Celtic fans would be hoping they'd get for him. But that's going to be the reality of the situation is that his value's gone down. He doesn't want to be there. Celtic are going to really not not necessarily take what they can get, but to an extent they're going to have to take what they can get because they're not going to be getting that kind of 14 million fee this summer. No, definitely
0: not. It doesn't look like it. Okay, we'll move on to um, the situation at Falkirk um, which is uh, even more disastrous um, than what it sounds like at Marseille. Basically, last night it was announced that Falkirk's CEO, Craig Campbell, resigned citing a prolonged period of verbal and online abuse from fans. Um, a lot has happened to Falkirk. Um, it seemed that only a few years ago there seemed to be a lot of optimism at the club. There was like two great showings in the playoffs that last minute goal against Hibs and then we're quite unlucky with Dundee in the semis next year. Then it all went pear shaped. Um Peter Houston was binned after ten games and the fans were delighted with that it seemed. Then Paul Hartley comes in. Um that went horribly pear shaped as well. the rumours players didn't like his training methods, all seemed pretty grim. Um now they're where they are the first time and it's, is it thirty nine years, first time yeah. they've done it, down at this level. Um, which is just absolutely grim. Obviously the fans aren't happy. Obviously prolonged period of variable online line of, use of fans is not cool. Um we're not condoning that for a minute. But it's obviously got to a real real point with the fans and the, the board now it's just a, a a breaking point
1: yeah absolutely I mean obviously if Craig Campbell's had threats or his family have had threats or whatever obviously we absolutely condemn that it's not cool but it did say a lot about Falker that they put out a statement basically uh, after years of horrendous mismanagement, essentially just having a go at the fans after they've been relegated. I yeah. mean, it's, it's ridiculous the, the way that club's been run recently. You talked about the managers they've got in, changing, you know, they, they, I can't remember the exact figures, but they've signed about 50 players in the last, like, two years. Two years they keep changing yeah. teams. They obviously they scrapped their youth academy in December 2017 because they claimed it wasn't financially viable. I mean, I'm sure it's more financially viable than buying a new team every six months. The chairperson... Margaret Lang said at the time, oh, "the the reasoning was we want to be a premiership club, and our first team needs to be our absolute focus." Which was part of a strategic review called towards the premiership. <laughs> How's that worked <laughs> out? Um, since the you know they brought through players like Blair Alston, Craig Sibble, Stephen Kingsley, Jay Fulton, who's at Swansea now, Murray Wallace, who's at Millwall, it was known as one of the best uh, youth academies in the country. It was. They've just scrapped it, got rid of it. The, if you look at, since they came down in 2010, I looked this up earlier, they finished third, 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 fifth, but reached the Scottish Cup final, second, second, and then the last two seasons, eighth and tenth, which I think just speaks volumes about the horrible mismanagement at that club. So, while if Craig Campbell has been threatened, we obviously condemn that and it's wrong, but... The, you can see why fans are angry because the management of that club has been horrendous.
0: Absolutely, I mean he he was literally brought in. If I remember correctly, he was brought in with the to the Premiership plan. Or the, the, the goal was staying getting the Premiership and staying there. That was that was his mission statement, and that was why he was there. And it was it was very trumpeted at the time of this is what we're going to do, and this is what I'm going to do. And then you know two years later, um, he's off. Um, and obviously you know under cloudy circumstances. But he, I mean, I was looking at the comments in the Falkirk. Um, announcement last night and it was a lot of, a lot of vitriol against it was things like only a few days ago they had their hand out for season tickets and saying blah blah, blah and it was all happening here and then days later condemning the fans I mean there would be one hand putting the hand out and then the, the, the other hands pointing the finger saying it's all your fault um, this is what's going on it just seems to be like an absolute cluster something um, if start to finish I mean these last few years but it seemed to be all going in a, a good direction for them um, and as you say with that academy um That academy, kind of, the club reinvented itself after it was liquidated, and that that academy seemed to be a big part of their identity and who the club were and how they were coming back for nothing and they were coming doing all these things, Um, and they were bringing through good young talent. They were getting some good transfer fees. It was all. They yeah, and
1: uh, Peter Houston, who was in charge, I think really bought into the kind of the young player uh-huh. dynamic and
0: yeah, uh, yeah. The, the ethos yeah. behind it. And it's, it yeah. seemed to be that if you talk about Falkirk, that was a big part of their culture and what, what they did. And then just take avatar, they just go Poof, and just dismiss it. And then, you know, within the same period, a couple of years, as you said, where they finished and where they are, and now they're in the, the, the third tier for the first time in nearly 40 years, they've, they've bought, as you said, so many players you kind of lose count how many players Falkirk have bought in in the last couple of years it's insane
1: yeah and where's the connection to the fans if you're just bringing in and shipping out players every six months I mean it was only was it three four seasons ago I mean I think as I think people know by now that like I'm a Comarnock fan I remember watching Comarnock in the playoff against Falkirk and obviously because Comarnock have a proud history of mugging off Falkirk and <laughs> uh, come on, it won the playoff, uh-huh. having also relegated them in 2010 and beaten them in the 1997 Scottish Cup final. So Sorry, Falkirk fans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on your side with the board. I just, I can't, I can't help but get the mugging off Falkirk thing. Uh-huh. But you just look at over the last two seasons, so obviously they sacked Houston, brought in Hartley. Now, maybe Houston's time was up. Maybe he had to go. I think a lot of Falkirk fans did want him to go. But they obviously got the Hartley appointment wrong. They let him sign a whole new team of players. They, in him. they brought in Ray McKinnon, who has been another disaster, much to the delight of Morton fans. Indeed, and you know the Falkirk are, are a big club. They're a club that think they should be in the Premiership as mm-hmm. the strategic review laid out, and they're now in League One. And so for the, the what is it the CEO wh- whatever yeah. he is for him to resign and then to put out a sort of statement going, "Oh, it's all, all the fans' fault." Like again, we don't condone any threats, but it's. Yeah, you can understand why fans would be annoyed. Like anyone yeah. would be angry if their their club had been taken from consistently challenging for promotion, young, locally raised players. I uh-huh. mean, sound like plants, but you know what <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Uh, to a club with no identity, with half-empty stadium, playing in League One. It's yeah, I can. You can completely understand why Falkirk fans are angry.
0: Absolutely. I mean, basically, I mean, his job you know as we said his job was to come in and get him in the premiership and get him to stay there and it's went so badly if he, drew, if he resigned saying I'm really sorry I've made the right pigs ear of this um, my my mission was this and I've given you the exact opposite um, I've done my best it wasn't always my fault these things happen blah blah you know I have to follow my sword here and go off to be CEO of a bank or whatever these guys do whenever they go off and you know not necessarily in football they can go off and do something else but he hasn't. He's come off and went, it's because of this. It's pure. And that was all the statement said. It's purely because of the abuse of the fans. And again, we keep reiterating this. Threatening people's families, abusing people, that's not on. Um, but you can understand the, the hurt and like, a displeasure that the fans have got. And this seems to be like a final... Um, two fingers up as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like like you said, which I, it was a very it was a very good point. There wasn't any contrition. I, mean, I think they said something about an abysmal season. But like you said, the guys come in, done a terrible job, and he leaves, and it's essentially just a broadside at the fans. No admission of I haven't done my job very well, none of that. You
0: know. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I can just imagine being a Falkirk fan. I, mean, I just say that they're, they're, they're a big club in Scotland. They've got a big support. They've got the big ambitions. They feel, as quite a few other teams do, they feel they should be a Premiership team, and a lot of them have got a valid case for that. Um and absolutely. And they they generally for a good few years, as you said, were finishing well, they were in the playoffs, they were doing these things. And then all of a sudden the wheels have come off. They haven't just come off, they've come off so badly that it's went on fire and like fell down a burn and then landed in a big bit of dog mess. Do you know what I mean? It's literally been It's just like, oh God, and it keeps happening, it keeps happening. If
1: someone would like to animate that section of the podcast, we'll <laughs> post it on uh, Facebook. We'll do that, thanks very much. we fall all by yeah. just going
0: right off. But that's, that's, that's what's happening. It seems to keep happening and keep happening. This is just the latest bit. Again, I mean, obviously, in the, in the let go loads of players recently again and is it 12 players that they went yeah, yeah, they, they yeah was it was that, just, that just that was last week or whatever week, it was tw- yeah first team players so that's another full team out the window yeah so they'll be
1: signing another full team another full summer another full team yeah. just
0: in time to gel in time for the, their new life in the third tier I mean,
1: fans must be turning up at the ground every week going uh, who's playing the day like, I don't know I've never heard a half these guys no players. idea who they yeah. are
0: no idea it's, You know, it's like watching if you go to some away game like against a team you don't know that well you don't know the players it must be a bit like that fall kick at home because there's these new guys in again and you're just in research and going who's this guy who is guy. Uh, how just searching,
1: play? furiously searching Wikipedia with one
0: <laughs> yeah. eye on the game. I do on soccer base, like, oh, he appears not to have a game for a year. Yeah. So, they're in this terrible situation, and you just can't, you try to think, where does it go for here? How do Falkirk improve? Where, how, how do they get back up, at least back up at the championship? Because it looks like it's going to be a long road for them.
1: Oh, definitely. Uh, and I mean, like, like we said, they expect to be in the Premiership. Obviously, not every team can be in the Premiership, but Falcott's level, certainly, if not Premiership, should be fighting at the top end of that Championship, Absolutely. as it was basically every year since they went down in 2010. But you look at the situation at the club, there's a total disconnect between the board and the fans. I think there was uh, a sort of plan for fan ownership, but that seems mm-hmm. to have stalled. Falcott uh, fans, if if that's not correct, you can let me know, but that seems to have stalled. And again, there's no connection between the, you know, the club, the town, the fans. Uh, yeah, it, was, it looks like a really grim situation. And you'd think being a full-time team in League One, they should come straight back up, but there's no guarantee.
0: No, not at all. I know think that's been proven time again. I mean, looking at the comments last night, the fan ownership thing did seem to come up quite a few times with the fans. Um, A lot of folks saying just enough's enough, you know, having that, uh, you know, you know, when was, you know, you know, a, enough of this beep, give it back to the fans, you beeping, and beeping and, you know I mean it's like the, the fan ownership thing does seem to be coming back again like more and more because they're getting pumped constantly. It seems that like it just seems like they're getting as you say there's a disconnect. It doesn't seem the people in charge have got any awareness of what the fans want or need or or any sort of yeah. respect for them, in a way, almost as well.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's clear from that statement last night. They don't have any respect for the fans. I think and I think they've had a few statements in the past where they've had to go at the fans. Yeah, I think there's the people. The people in the boxes don't—they don't care about the fans. I mean, they're the paying customers. Right? You know, yeah. Who cares what yeah,
0: they cares think? For, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see when they stop coming. Basically, yeah, exactly. what I mean. um, And obviously, they're, they're quite fond of quite long statements as well. So it was quite noticeable last night. It was quite—it was quite brief. Because uh, yeah. the the one last week was my brain fell over reading it. So it was, there was so much in it. Do you know what I mean? But again, it's that kind of blah 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 blah. Here's lots of stuff here. There's this hand waving almost. To the fans, um, so yeah, I, I honestly can't see too bad a future at the moment for them, um, or, or what they're going to do. I mean, you know, could, could they end up still being in, in the third tier next season, the season after next?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you'd think that there's a lot of part time teams down there being yeah. a full time team that shouldn't sure. happen, but you know, the, the as we've said, there are no guarantees. I mean, there's been rumours. Uh, about a takeover by some American stockbroker, which doesn't sound the most promising thing to me, uh, if we know anything about American stockbrokers. yeah, I'm not impugning this guy,
0: personally i don't even know his name he did not cause the global crash we're not saying that
1: yeah just in case his lawyers are listening <laughs> and i genuinely don't even know his name so if he does serve me with a writ re- i will not know who's from
0: <laughs> another one <laughs> <laughs> Okay, dokie we'll move on to slightly um cheerier subjects um we're looking at the transfer roundup basically it's that time of year we're going to be talking about this probably every day because every day there's going to be stories about players coming in players coming out lots of them will be absolute Crazy nonsense, and some will have a bit of legitimacy, and some will be stick on. Um, let's start with some crazy nonsense. Sturridge to Rangers.
1: I mean, I think it's quite nice that uh, the sports media have welcomed uh, Donald Trump to the country with some classic
0: fake news.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, not Donald Trump, uh, Trump on the brain. Daniel Sturridge
0: <laughs> uh, is. There's more chance that Donald Trump signed for Rangers, let's be honest.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Daniel Sturridge was on 120 grand a week at Liverpool he's not going to be signing for Rangers or Celtic or anyone in Scotland because he's not going to get anywhere near that kind of money. Whereas if he stays in England or goes to China, which he could do because he's a free agent, yeah. he'll be able to get that kind of money. That is not happening. And people can uh, clip this back to me. If he does sign for Rangers, it ain't
0: happening. No, it's not. I, th- I think if Celtic Rangers chipped in and had a sort of player share, um, they still probably couldn't afford them. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll take him a game each, you know what I mean, and he can do a half each when it's you know when we're playing each other. Um, so, but that's mm-hmm. not going to no. It's just yeah, no, absolute nonsense. madness. So yeah, so we'll dismiss that one. Um, we're also looking though a Celtic. I've got a couple of sort of whispers there. There's a George Baldock, um, a right back for Sheffield United who could also play it right midfield, um, which sounds interesting. And also Man City winger Brandon Barker. Neil Lennon knows him from Hibbs loan deal um, a while back, but he's been at Preston North End this season. It's not went too well. Um, his thoughts on either him? I don't
1: know too much about George Baldock, although he does sound like a proper Yorkshire fan. Hey, I'm George Baldock. George Baldock. I'm yeah. George Baldock. I'm up here to be your right back. Uh, <laughs> relax, relax. <laughs> that, so that's my searing analysis on him because until this morning, I'd never heard of him. Um, Brandon <laughs> exactly Barker, obviously, is a player who Lennon knows from his time at Hibs. I think he did well from at Hibs. You could see why you might want to work with him again. I guess he'd be a sort of alternative or backup to Scott Sinclair if Sinclair yeah, leaves Yeah, but I think that's another one that Celtic fans are going to be saying is that the kind of quality we need to make sure that we finish above Rangers that we take that next step in Europe is Brandon Barker
0: that player I'm not so sure yeah definitely it's, it's that kind of thing I think even if you brought some of that in later in the summer it might not be quite as much but I think for your first sort of you know, if that's the first sign of the season, sort of the first sort of new new face coming in and it's Brandon Barker who's been at Preston North End, previously loan at Hibs, and will be back up to Scott Sinclair. Ooh Do you know what I mean? It's not really gonna um it's not gonna give any rain, just fans sleepless nights, put it that way. Yeah, and it's not gonna spark
1: I mean? any imaginations with Celtic. No,
0: no, I don't think so. So so that's as exciting as it gets. Um, even more exciting, uh, Hamilton, um are signing like uh, Kieran McKenna. Um, from and well, from two teams in America, um, which we've got a wee bit to talk well, two about Two of here. his previous teams. Two of his at previous teams. at Falkirk, Falkirk yeah. last year. He's also played for the Blue Devils and Jacksonville Armada, but he's also been at Falkirk for the last whole season. Yeah, six um, months. I six think. months there for that. So yeah, is that a good sign for them?
1: Uh, I don't really know. I don't know anything about them. Uh, this is a podcast, you might be tell, that's short on content. So I've come up with another game. Here we go. Now, Jules, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about you, but I don't like these new MLS expansion franchises being called things like New York City FC and stuff like that. It's It's too sensible. Yeah. Blue Devils, I'm having. So what I've done is I have come up with six uh, defunct American teams. Some of them are real and some of them I made up earlier. So I'm going to read out these six teams to you and you have to tell me which ones are real and which ones are fake.
0: Excellent. I'm up for that challenge.
1: Okay, so we'll start with the Syracuse salty dogs,
0: fantastic. Sounds possibly more like something you would, you know, buy in a petrol station at night when you're steaming, um, at the counter to eat. Syracuse salty dogs. I think that is a gaby lie. That one was real. Oh God damn it! Off the yeah. flyer. <laughs> <laughs> Syracuse salty dogs. Yep. No No wonder they went bust. <laughs> I
1: know. Yeah, <laughs> I think they only lasted fans.
0: one season. Yeah. Uh, just kind of get behind the team like that, no?
1: Okay. Is this real or fake? The Philadelphia Ding
0: Dongs sadly as much as i would love that to be there and that is a team i could get behind definitely i would have to say the philadelphia ding dongs are a gaby lie that is indeed a lie that is indeed i can see a wee 50 50 scarf with the the salty dogs though yeah salty Uh, dog ding dongs
1: what about the detroit engines
0: that was a real one
1: no that was fake but see what i did there in motor city Uh, oh
0: oh you're a sneak Right, yeah. okay, I need to think harder then. I'm not doing well, am I? No. Is that is that uh, nil for three?
1: No, no. you got one. You got the ding-dongs being free. Oh, I did,
0: yes, yeah. of course I did. Okay, uh, one for three.
1: Charleston Battery.
0: Charleston Battery. Um, I think that's a real one.
1: That is a real one, correct. That's you got two out four. Two out four. The Chicago Pizza Botherers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, um... Yeah, I would have to say that as, as much as that sounds very likely to be a real thing, I would have to say that as a Gaby lie.
1: Okay. And finally, the Rochester Raging Rhinos.
0: Oh, God. Well, that's obviously the trickster. That's a real one, isn't it?
1: That is indeed a real that one. A real the real Rochester way. Raging Rhinos <laughs> Raging were rhinos. a real uh, US soccer team. Other real US soccer teams included the New England T-Men, the Indy 11, the Richmond Spiders, and the Iowa Cavaliers. Okay
0: say it's good names a bit yeah. of imagination goes into it you know what I mean they might not have got football at the time but they got how to sort of make it a bit more interesting
1: exactly and you I'd like I mean? to see those kind of names coming back
0: definitely up for that excellent well thank you very much for listening that's all for us here at Football Scotland for today we'll be back tomorrow before 4pm just in to make your daily work commute a wee bit more bearable you can get us on the Football Scotland website or on our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore scott to ask a question, make a comment as individually or just give us some more names for stupid American football teams you can get me on at Captain underscore Howdy and gaby on
1: at Gabi McCaffrey.
0: Cheers for listening, see you more.